Amen. Well, let's take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing as I share here this morning. Father, I humble myself before you and I ask that you speak through me. Give to God's people what they need here today. Lord, in and of myself, I know I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me and, and, and bless your people, that you would be honored to hear today, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, we want to welcome our Facebook group. Let's give them a hand. We have a whole Facebook group audience all across the world. We welcome you to Harvest here this morning and pray God's blessing over you as we share the word of God. So I'm going to put us on the fast track. Time's kind of escaped us this morning, and hopefully I can get everything I want to get through here today. Uh, this is the fourth week in the series titled, More of You, God, More of You, and we subtitle it Benefits Part 3. And We've been talking about the grace and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that blessing uh, that God has, I believe, for all believers, for all believers. Our text has been Ephesians 2.22. And in him, Jesus, you two are being built together to become a dwelling. Somebody shout a dwelling. That's what God's desire is, a habitation in which God lives by his spirit. And we've said this, that God's desire is that, that you don't initially, when you're born again, receive Christ and go, okay, got that taken care of, I can move on with my life. No, God wants to continue a habitation, a communion where you dwell and, and you are thinking about God throughout the week, throughout the day, amen, that he's constantly on your mind and your heart. That's the desire God has. And you can trace that back from the Garden of Eden, right? What is it? say about Adam and Eve. They they walked with God. So God is concerned daily with our lives. God is concerned with your life daily, what goes on in your life. It's hard to see that now in this this season that we're in. We think, oh man, globally, what's going on? God is concerned. How many know that God is not shaken? He's not shaken. And some of us though, I have a message too, I don't know, someday I may preach it called, is Jesus asleep in the bowl? Come on, somebody. You know, we kind of think that, you know, he's asleep right now. And it's like, uh, but you know what? He was in the boat, even though I'd rather have Jesus asleep in the boat. No, I'm in the boat that Jesus is in. Can I get an amen? Right? Because if he's in the boat and he wakes up, he can do something. Let me tell you something. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus in the bowl. And when he wakes up, everybody's going to know what happened. He's not asleep, though. He's not asleep. Well, that's another message for another time. Amen? All right. Hebrews 2.1. We've been talking about this each week. That Therefore, uh, uh, the writer in Hebrews says, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Or in other words, forget, leak out, uh, not remember And so we've mentioned about forgetfulness is a common deadly spiritual disease. It's a great enemy of a joyful Christian life. You know, when I'm going through something difficult, it's easy to forget when you cried out to God and asked for him to move in that situation, and he did, and he brought you through it, even though it may not have been the way you wanted, but he brought you through it. You are here today, amen. You're not out in the street sleeping under a bridge. Most of us aren't, I don't think, amen. Uh, but if you are, we can take care of that and help you out. Amen. So, so my point is, is that, you know, the enemy uses forgetfulness. You know, when things are good, people tend to forget about God. People are starting to wake up some, but you know, when I thought about that statement, it's true for some, it's true for those that truly have known the Lord. But you know, here's the thing. Satan never sleeps. He never tires. He never, he never draws back in his harassment and his lies and his temptation over our life. Can I get an Amen. 
You know, so for, for some, when it's bad, you know, they wake up and they go, oh my God, you know, I need a, I, I've just been away, I've fallen away, and, and I, I, need a, I need a return to the Lord. But not all do. I said, not all do. You know, I heard a statistic that uh, uh, at least one in three Christians do not faithfully attend a church, they don't even go to church. Don't even go. They, they, know, they love the Lord, but they, just, they don't even go to church where the scripture says not forsaking the assembly. <laughs> that is in the Bible, that we are to attend, we are to be a part. It, and it's, the church is not man's idea, it's God's. He said, I will build my church, ecclesia, called out ones. Okay? Anyhow, that's another message right there. But, you know, sometimes uh, we, can, we, can, we can get bitter. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants us to get to bitter and we fall away. And, and, and then the Bible talks about that. In the last days, it said, many will depart from the faith. How many have heard that verse before? And you know, and that word depart isn't, and I've shared this before, uh, it's not a quick departing. It isn't like, you know, taking off and leaving. It's like a boat that's tied at your dock, and I don't know if you're going to get your boats out there. And how many of you know that if it isn't pulled up on the ramp or whatever, your lift, that if the string that held it or the rope that held it was cut off, how many of you know if you go out the next morning and there isn't a storm, you're going to still see that boat? Oh, the waves just kind of took it. It's over. It's over in the neighbor's yard, right? But you can still see the boat. But if you leave it after a few days and the wind shifts, how many know it's going to go further away, right? But you can still see it. Come on, somebody. This is a spiritual picture of a lot of Christians today. They've departed from the faith. They didn't reject the faith. They've departed. And then you wait a week. God only knows where that boat's at. You know, a month, I don't know. Someone already found it in their lot. They hauled it away ground off the serial numbers, and they sold it on eBay or so. I don't know. <laughs> That's what it means to depart from the faith. It's slow. Somebody shout slow. It's, it's very slow. So you've got to be aware of that to not forget. And so, and I said this about drawing back. You know, the more God wants to use you, the more likely you'll be tempted to quit, to draw back, to put your life on cruise control. Just, just you know, play it safe, to play it safe. That's why we need to be encouraged to stay the course. Can I get an Amen. To stay the course. And so sometimes the greatest act of faith is faithfulness. Staying right where you are planted. Staying right where you are planted. You know, <clears throat> let me just say this. Uh, the way we respond to challenges determines the stories we'll tell one day. Did you hear that? The way you are responding now to challenges in your life in this season is going to determine what type of stories you will tell in your life. You know, how many know that your life speaks for itself? <laughs> how many are awake right now? How many understood what that meant? <laughs> your life speaks for itself. My life speaks for itself. And so the question is, how do you want to be remembered? So you got to think about the end and then think about, okay, how do, I, how do I want to be remembered? How do I want to be remembered? You know, I tell people, if you, if, you know, people, I said, please live a life in a way that there's some testimony so I don't have to lie at your funeral. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Somebody took the note on that. <clears throat> and so, so, so sometimes the greatest act of faith is just staying faithful through the good times, the bad times, the difficult times. And, and so anyhow, we, we talked about that, but, but getting back on what we're talking about, letting things slip, and the whole uh, premise of this series, More of God, I've been talking about the beauty of spiritual language and some of the benefits of the benefits of the Holy Spirit. And, and so I've said this each week, the Holy Spirit has the power, the ability, the means to change your life, and it is the Holy
Holy Spirit's job, watch this, to produce the Christ-like character in your life. But we have to be willing. Somebody shout willing. <laughs> we have to desire and we have to want to seek his assignment for our life. Some of you, you came into this Christian walk with a list. And if I had some paper here, other than my notes, I would rip a piece of paper right now because some of you need to rip up your list. You had all these expectations. You thought, who are you going to marry? This is the way it's going to be. You had all this list, and it didn't happen. And what happens is you get angry at God because I asked for this or I asked for that. And, 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 and that wasn't God's assignment for your life. You know, I, I felt that I would own a slew of gyms, and it still gets me excited thinking about that. But, you know, um, not now in this day. <laughs> Everything is virtual. But, but I, uh, and, and, and in, in the field of bodybuilding, I enjoyed that powerlifting, and I just thought maybe that's, that, that was the call, and I was focusing on that. But you know what? I'm glad that was not on the list God had for me because that, that wasn't his best for my life. I still enjoy working out. I, I still enjoy that. And so, so we said this, though, uh, each week. I'm just throwing this up. Quickly recapping here. And you cannot reproduce the character of Jesus on your own or by your own strength. There's where the Holy Spirit comes in and we need to submit to the Holy Spirit in our life and allow him to flow through us. Help me see that say Amen. And let me just add this also. Let me just kind of interject this. This is a freebie. Whenever I am closest to God, watch this, I am always simultaneously close to godly people as well. Did you hear that? And if you're not, hmm, you need to take, uh, take note right there. That means being in fellowship with others. And so when I'm the healthiest spiritually, I am connected with other believers. I'm, I'm involved in, in what's going on in, in life. And, and it doesn't mean that I'm not connected to those that are lost. You know, we need to be as witnesses. Amen. So uh, quickly recap. We talked about last week. We started on these benefits of, uh, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We said the spirit expression. And I, I said this. I'm just going to repeat this again because I think it's good for this point here. Maybe your best, talking about the, 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 the grace and the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, maybe your best decision is the next one that will help you be the person God created you to be. And if that decision is desiring more of what God has for you, that's the best decision you can make. And I just want to throw that out for the baptism of the Holy Spirit as we talk about it. We talked about spiritual edification. The Bible says, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 14, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves or builds himself up. That word is strengthened personally. It means to build up, helps themselves grow is what that means. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? A lot of people still choose not to. All right, quickly here, continue. I would say another benefit or blessing of the baptism is selflessness. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? Well, speaking in tongues eliminates the possibility of selfishness entering your prayer life. Now, I know all of you pray perfect prayers. Oh, God, get them. Oh, God, pour what they did to me, Lord, Stoke the fires of hell over his head. Bring them to conviction. Lord, make them come to me and repent. We all pray perfect prayers, don't we? <sighs> Moving right along. It says, <laughs> it eliminates, I believe, the possibility of selfishness entering our prayer life. Not in our life. How many know we can be selfishness and that's a fruit of the flesh? 
So you can be filled with the Spirit and pray in the Spirit and still be selfish. But when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying the perfect will of God. That prayer is not selfish. Because you may be praying, oh, God, get them. I'm going to pray in the Spirit for them. And you begin to pray in the Spirit in your heavenly language. And God is, what you think you're praying is not what's praying through you. And the Spirit of God praying to you is like, Lord, you know, Michael the archangel goes, God, he really needs help. She needs some help right now. And, and so uh, the prayer that you pray may be, oh, Lord, forgive me for my anger. And you don't know that. Forgive me for my bitterness. Forgive me for resentment. Forgive me for, for not walking in love. And you're praying in the spirit and being charged up. You're actually humbling yourself. Because it's the perfect prayer of God. It's the, it's the spirit praying through you. Some of you, this is maybe totally new to you. Never heard this before, but it's in the Bible. So I encourage you to check it out. Romans 8, 26. Perfect verses is, watch this. For we know not what, somebody shall what? We should pray for as we ought. Now, what's interesting, it didn't say we don't know how to pray, right? It says, for we know not what. It didn't say how. John 16, 23 talks about we are instructed, excuse me, instructed to pray to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so we, we know how to pray, but the Bible says, and Paul's saying, we don't know what to pray for all the time. So he's talking about, he's talking about the Spirit of God. And so <clears throat> let me just throw this out here. Some of you can mull over this. Just because I know how to pray doesn't mean that I know what to pray for as I ought. Come on, have you ever been felt with a situation? You're dealing with kids, crisis. You're dealing with family issues, husband, wife issues, you know, whatever, global issue, whatever it may be, relationship issues, and you're just agonizing. I don't know if you have been there, but I've been there many, many times. Oh, yeah. I think I'm talking to a lot of people that know what I'm talking about. Right now, even on Facebook, you're watching. You may be agonizing, agonizing over something you don't know how to pray for. What do most people do? I don't know. Shake the shoulders and move on. I don't know what to do. No, that's why we have the Spirit of God there. That's why we have the baptism. Because this ba- the Spirit within knows how to pray in that situation exactly. Exactly. Pray as we ought. Paul wrote to the church at Rome. We know not what we should pray for as we ought. So just because I know how to pray doesn't mean that I know what to pray for. And here's a verse right here that a lot of Christians, uh, you know, that this is maybe new to, read through it and don't understand it or they have a different opinion because someone else told me and I read from some commentator and they said, no, this is not for today. That passed away. So you go through this verse, but this verse right here, I believe is talking about the baptism. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. What does that mean? <laughs> That's the spirit within. When a situation arises and it's heavy on your heart, you don't know how to pray. Words don't seem to answer it. How many hear what I'm saying? Just words, they're, they're not enough. I pray in the spirit. I pray in the spirit because my words just come so low. They just, they, they just I can't, I can't articulate in a way the agony, maybe what's going on within me. Am I speaking to anybody here this morning? I can't, I can't, I, it's a sigh. It's a, I don't know what to say or do. So I'm going to pray in the spirit and I'm going to pray the perfect will of God. That's where that intercession, it's the spirit himself that's praying. And, and it's like you can't, it's like you cannot utter it, but it's through, through tongues. So, so this verse 
we just read that says that we often don't know how to pray as we should. And so, so the Holy Spirit knows the mind of the Father. How many know that he knows the mind of the Father? And so he knows the circumstances that pertain to your life. And so he, the Holy Spirit, watch this, will enable us to pray exactly the way we need to beyond our human capacities beyond which we can articulate. That's the blessing and the benefit and the beauty of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is not going to do our praying for us? Amen, Pastor Mike. He is sent to help us to pray. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Spirit is sent to help us to pray, for you to pray. So speaking with other tongues is praying as the Spirit gives us utterance. It is a Spirit-directed praying. It eliminates the possibility of selfishness in our prayers because we're praying the perfect will of God. Who would not want that? Just throwing that out. Okay, very quickly, moving right along for time. Um, One another benefit, I would say, it helps you to learn to trust God. Learn to trust God. The Holy Spirit helps believers learn to trust God. You know, there's a verse in Jude, verse 20. uh, Jude, verse 20. And it says this, building up, watch this, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. What? Doing what? Praying in the Holy Spirit. If you don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about the baptism, when you read that, how do I pray in the Holy Spirit? Um, this is how, through that grace and gift. And so when you do that, that you, you're learning to trust. You're leaning on God. Why? Because you're building yourself up on your most holy faith. See, your faith is being built up. How? By praying in the Spirit. Pastor, I want to build my faith. Well, get the Word of God into you. Amen. And I've shared this before, and I didn't ask for a show of hands, and I won't, but maybe in a few years I will. How many of you, you have never read through the Bible from cover to cover? Do not raise your hand. You on Facebook, too. You've never read the Bible from cover to cover. You know who you are. It's got awfully dead silent in here. No condemnation. Why don't you start? Why don't you begin? Amen? Just start. Just start. And you got... I'm going to turn to Genesis 1-1 <laughs> and start and read. Get the Message Bible. It's very simple, easy to understand. Or the Amplified Bible. Don't get King James. And I like the King James with a lot of words that correlate from the Hebrew and the Greek. But you don't talk like that today. You know what? Let that be a goal in your life that you have at least read through the Bible from cover to cover. Can I get an Amen. Yeah. Breathe a sigh of relief. Amen. Let's move on. Amen. So, but building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So what is he saying? Speaking in tongues stimulates faith, helps us learn how to trust God more fully. And so, so we know, and we talked about this the last few weeks, that faith must be exercised to speak with tongues because the Holy Spirit specifically directs the words we speak, that we step out. We shared this last week. Well, the disciples said, I will. Paul said, I will pray in my understanding. I will pray in the spirit. I will pray. I will sing. And I will sing in the spirit. So we don't know what the next word will be, but we have to trust the Lord. And that's where faith comes in. Amen. Trusting God in one area helps us to learn to trust him in other areas. Amen. And so really, and I think as I ended last week when we talked about, it's really an obedience issue. It's a submission issue. Uh, a surrender issue really is what the baptism. Okay. And then my uh, last point here, uh, awareness of God's presence. And, and 
I have a video at the end of the service. It's a minute and 52 seconds long. And uh, if we have time here, we'll, we'll share that. It's actually on Denzel Washington. How many have heard of Denzel Washington, a, a, a black actor? And he's, he was filled with the Spirit. He has a testimony that I'd like to, to, to show with you. He was interviewed by a pastor uh, on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pretty interesting. Amen. Um, so, but an awareness of God's presence, there's a hunger uh, I have found in my life that, that in, and once again, not better than anybody, but the results of the baptism has created a hunger in my life for things spiritually. Can I get an amen? Let me know what I'm talking about. A hunger, and, then, and, and even in that hunger, I'm able to see some things that I wasn't able to see before. And I want to talk about that as we conclude today. Speaking with other tongues keeps us continually aware of the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence. And so that every day that is bound to affect the way you live and think in your life. Amen. Praying in the Spirit, watch this, creates a supernatural hunger, a supernatural desire, and you, I will say it this way, you begin to see things that maybe were hidden or blind to you before, and God opens your eyes to things, and it's a newness, it's a newness. It's a, it's a supernatural hunger, a supernatural hunger, a desperate hunger for more of him and Jesus. Uh, I use this verse at the baby dedication, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And I said that this seems to be a contradictory statement. But watch this. Hunger creates a greater capacity for his presence and power in our lives. Amen? And I use the story of Hannah in the Old Testament. The Bible says God closed her womb. In other words, she had no children. In other words, watch this. God created an unbearable frustration. Some of you need to write that down. <laughs> And some of you are living in an unbearable frustration moment, season, year, decade, I don't know, unbearable frustration, and she, for her and her situation, being deprived of children, and she was taunted with that. But, but once again, the frustration increased two things in her soul. Number one, a willingness to sacrifice and to devote and to give up. Devoted and give up. I mean, the Bible says that 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 she said, "If you, if I get a child, I'll give this child to you, O Lord, and for your plan and for your purpose." And that's what she did. And Samuel went with, to live with the priest Eli when he was when he was old enough, and she gave that child away. Incidentally, God gave her more children. How many know God is a giver? Come on. She didn't just have one child. She had many, many more other kids. The Scripture talks about that. But but it created a willingness to sacrifice, hunger, spiritual hunger. Creates that in our life to sacrifice. Sacrifice. You know what? I can, I can pray an hour on a Saturday. I, I can come to church or I can get up in the morning and read my Bible, grab my coffee. I, I, can, I can sacrifice. That's, that's what spiritual hunger does in our life. And that's one of the byproducts, I believe, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then the second thing is a tremendous appreciation for the blessings when they do come. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been frustrated, uh, I'd be first say I've been frustrated and things faced your life, but boy, boy, when that day comes, when God shows up and that situation is turned, how many of you know there is a gratitude, there's a thankfulness, just on a small scale, just a very small scale. For me, it was really big. So we moved into this little house project that we're in. Finally, we've been in for three weeks, and upstairs is done. The downstairs is not. But I noticed some of the asphalt that was all crummy, and I needed to lift that up, and my wife was helping me, and, and I was picking up smaller pieces, then bigger pieces, then real big pieces, and my back went out. And I jacked my back up so bad <laughs> that it was like, 
if you had seen me, <laughs> this was Monday night. I, it was hard. I mean, I was coming in here for stamp meeting. I had ice around me, and I was walking like a zombie. And it didn't relief until Friday. That's how many days it happened with it. But I'll tell you what, when it came back and I woke up, I went, my back's good. I just went, thank you, God. I was so thankful. Thank you, God. Because there was a time I was thinking during the week, oh, God, what if I was like this chronically forever? And, you know, my life flashed before me, and I'd be like, oh, my God. And so I'm appreciative that I can get up and move. Amen. That I'm here today, you know, like a zombie. You know what I mean? I'm thankful. And so, so, so a willingness to sacrifice, but a tremendous appreciation for the blessings when they do come. My brothers and sisters, you are blessed. Every single one of you are blessed, highly favored of God. I don't think so. Take a look at what's going on in some other nations and countries. Yes, there's chaos. I don't have my head in the sand. There's dire, dire things that are facing our nation. But you know what? God's going to have the last say. He's going to have the last say, and I think good things are ahead. Not that there's not trying time. Samuel, her, her son that was born, Bible says really he was second only to Moses, one of the greatest prophets, one of the greatest prophets, and so that produced out of that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. My question to you this morning is, are you hungry? Are you thirsty, spiritually speaking? I said, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you just marking time? You know, there's something about life, especially with young kids. My wife and I, we youth pastored for, for 10 years, and, and you can see kids, and in, in, it's just a natural part of life, and you know, I was there myself, and you grow up, and, and, and you do what you can as a youth pastor, so God bless Joel and Kim and what they do, and Katie and, and Ryan, and, and, and when they pour into your kids, amen, but a lot of times it's indifferent. Kids are like, I got to get out of here, man. I just want to get out of here, <laughs> you know, and they're pouring their life in, and they're like, yeah, this, this is, ah, this is church and I just want to get out of here and and then what happens is they go through life and they grow up come on somebody and then all they decide to get married and then they're married and they're like how can I serve in the church how can I help (laughs) and then I'm going to take notes what is the pastor saying because all that stuff I wasn't listening to years ago can I get it amen hunger thirst but see here's this some of us we've become comfortable not knowing not knowing just just comfortable a lot of us, sometimes we know too much, and so we lose our spiritual hunger. So we, we've become comfortable, or we've kind of settled into an area in our life and say, you know what, I'm on cruise control in this area. I don't know what that is, but that God wants you to take that off, that cruise control. See, when you lose your spiritual hunger, you lose spiritual insight. I really believe that. You, you lose that. Why? Because you've become comfortable with the familiar. And see, the familiar, I'm going to end with this here, can blind us. I'll give you an illustration here. The blind man in Bethsaida, the Bible talks about it, Mark chapter 8, and Jesus heals him. Here's the thing about blind people. Uh, they can function pretty well in a predictable environment. Isn't that right? You know, and they have the cane, and they come around, and, and this is their environment, and they're familiar with that, and they know how many steps it is to I get to the kitchen, right? Uh, how many steps, okay, I go past here, there's a door on the right, and this is the bathroom to the left, and, and I know how many steps to the sink. I can just turn around, and there's two steps, right? So they're comfortable in that, and where's the bedroom, all that, and, and so, but, but, but if you change anything, or you take them out of that, Um, you take them out of their comfort zone, it totally disrupts their life. Isn't that right? 
totally where there was not supposed to be something here. And, and, and so they're disrupted and it's, it's just really, it's, it's, it's alarming and it's alarming. And so it disrupts their ability to function. You know, as a kid, about, this was about 40 years ago, I was in my teens. Uh, there was an elderly man back then. He was in his 90s. His name was Victor, Victor Wally. He was a totally blind man. And he was in Southie, South Boston. And my grandmother lived there, and she walked wherever. She never got her license. And uh, uh, she, she would walk on the streets, and she knew Southie pretty well, where she stayed in the, uh, the Irish-Italian zone. And, 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 and she met this blind man, and he walked across the street. He knew in the light. He knew where he was going. He would take a right. And I'm like, man, this, guy, this is in South Boston, all right? We're not talking about rural areas here. This is in the city. And he's blind, and he functioned. And so he had an apartment, but he was all alone, totally alone. And uh, she just said hi to him one day. And she said, hi, how are you? And, and he said, oh, good, good. Well, what's your name? It's a Blanche, Blanche Burns. And, and they just started a dialogue. And the next day, she saw him again. He'd come by. She'd go, oh, hi, Victor. And the next day, she saw him again. And she, you know, her certain routine. And so she invited him over. And she had tea and, you know, some of the family members. And, and then she bring Victor to see us. My mom, you know, her mom. And, and, and so all of us kids were around Victor. I remember seeing him the first time. And elderly man. But every, every morning, he would get up, do sit-ups, do push-ups. You know, he was 90. <laughs> and he'd walk with his cane. And it was total. Everything was unfamiliar because it's in our home now in, in the South Shore in Brockton. And so he, he would bring us a dollar. Well, thanks, Victor. You know, when you're 12, okay. A uh, dollar's okay. Back then it was worth more. Anyhow, he'd get a lot, of, lot more. And so we'd get the dollar from Victor. And he became like our grandpa that we never had. And, and, and so weeks and even years, uh, Victor, you know, he, he would come. And, and uh, then I would talk to him. Uh, about, you know, I went into the military and the Marines and, and just all, you know, just connected with him. And, and he's like, oh, I remember being, he was a World War II vet, uh, World War I, I'm sorry. He said there were times we trained with just broomsticks because we didn't have rifles. And, and he was in field artillery. And so I connected the same MOS. And it was just interesting getting to know this man. He actually said this. He said, he said I actually purchased a ticket on the Titanic. Glad I didn't go on that one, amen. I said, you're kidding. Where is that ticket today? I asked Victor. And he's like, oh, you know, just I didn't make it. You know, I wasn't like, well, that was a blessing. Uh, so, you know, but the stories were fascinating. And, and uh, but he said that the day he met Blanche, he was going home to hang himself in the bathroom. He was going to kill himself and my grandma. And then towards the end of his life, it was about 101 or whatever. They did a surgery a few years before and they allowed him. He could see in one eye. So he would look, and he could see us all, and then he could see my grandmother, and he said, she's beautiful. Can we get married, Blanche? <laughs> Grandma, oh, stop it, Victor. Don't talk about it. <laughs> you know, it was just cute, but, you know, then he, he passed away and actually made the Boston Globe one of the last of the surviving uh, World War I veterans. But the point is, is that Victor was very functioning well in Southie, but he was alone. He was alone. And so when I think of this scripture and about this blind man, and I think about what Jesus does to him, it's something interesting. It sparks something in me. And it says, in Mark 8, 22, it said, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him, watch this, to touch the man and heal him. What does Jesus do? He doesn't listen to what they say, but he does this. Jesus took the blind man by the hand, which he would need, right? And what does he do? He led him out of the village. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, you're taking me out of my comfort zone, <laughs> right? You're leading me into a place I don't know. Jesus said, I got your hand. I'm going to lead you out. Because what I want to do in your life, you need to come out. I can't do 
what I want to do in your life here because I need to lead you to a, a different place. Is somebody here this morning? Hmm. So, so, so Jesus leads him out by the hand, out of the village, out of the village. You know, you don't know you're blind until you get out of your comfort zone. Isn't that right? You don't. And many of you, you're in a comfortable situation. Many of you are in panic fear mode, so that means I'm not going to do anything, <laughs> and I'm not going to step out. And God, how many know God is not on pause, even though it's a pandemic? God is not on pause just because there's a crisis and riots. God is not on pause because it's election year. God is not on pause. He still moves forward. That's the God we serve, amen? And so until you're taken out of what's familiar, out of your tradition, some people, when they are, they fall apart. They absolutely fall apart. I'm running out of time here, but I have another story. Can I tell you another story where I fell apart? Can I tell you that? Or should I wait next week on that one? (laughs) My wife, she'll just chime in on this one. You know, but when we're taken out of familiar, sometimes even me talking about the baptism, you, maybe you're visiting it from another church, you never heard this before, and like, what is this guy talking about? When we stay in our familiar places, we never change. And God wants to lead us out to places where we can grow spiritually. Amen? I'm not just saying that where you're at is negative. I don't know. But you know, if you have a church that doesn't believe in miracles, come on, somebody, that doesn't believe in, in the gifts of the Spirit and that God moves supernaturally today, how I many you know you can get in a rut? And just think that's just the way it is because everybody else around here. But, but God wants to lead us out of our tradition, out of that place of safety because he wants to do something in our life. Now, you know, what happens, I mean, the times in my life, I don't mind calculated risks. I said calculated. When I calculate it and then I know, okay, I don't mind it. And some people think that guy is very daring. Well, I calculate. I mean, some things too. I mean, all the plane trips I've taken and... I think I calculated over 50 or 60 mission trips overseas and, you know, just life-endangering times being at some of those places, but I'd never traded for anything. But I remember my wife said, oh, we're going to go visit, this was years ago, uh, Palm Desert. And then, you know her, she just found out a place where we could go hiking. Well, where is this place, hiking? And she found a place that there's no trip advisor. There's no, you know, and there's no signs to go to this place. And, and we drive 45 minutes south of there somewhere where the San Andreas Fault is. I'm just letting you know, you know. And we're like, oh, if there's an earthquake, just bury us right now. It's over. And so I'm like, where is this place we're going? And then we're driving, and it's getting scarier and scarier to me. And I'm starting to, you know, oh, it's fine. It'll be fine. And there's broken glass. And then we turn onto a sandy road where we can barely make it. No signs. No Siri, where are we going, Siri? And you have arrived. I'm like, oh, God, where am I? This is the most crazy. And she's like, fine. And then there's a group of ladies come. And then they go, and they start going, walking down this you know, ravine. And then I'm like, well, here's the sign. Oh, it's right there on the ground. It's a stone arrow. What? It's a three-hour hike. What? Right now, this is, it gets 100, 110 degrees with all these rock formations. Anyhow, needless to say that I, I was arguing with my wife, we are leaving because they're going to find us and we'll be holding hands as skeletons under a rock. And like, who was they, you know, dead, you know, not like all the good hiking gear, none of that, you know, the backpack with all the water. We were not prepared, my opinion. So. Short of it all is we're running out of time. 
time here. Uh, we follow behind this, this group, and they're like, oh, we've done this before many times, many times. See, but I was thrust in an area where I, I was uncomfortable, and I was panicky. I did not like it, the surroundings. After we went through it, and they showed us where to go, and I'm like, oh, my God, if, if, if it was just you and I, honey, we would have walked that way. Where does that lead? Oh, that leads to another whole mountainous range. And so finally, we made it through, walked back, and I was like, oh, God, I'm not dead. We've done it four other times. It's an amazing hike. It's amazing. I'm like, come on, kids, I know where, just, just where to go. It's called seven ladders. You climb these ladders, and I don't like heights, but it's just rock formation. It's just beautiful. My point was is that I was not a happy camper because I was being thrust out of my comfort zone. Stand with me if you would, please. Wow. Jesus leads this man, watch this, out of his tradition by the hand. In other words, Jesus is saying, in essence, you've stayed in Bethsaida long enough. It's time to leave the place you're comfortable with. But you're still blind, but I have more for you. Yes. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. Is it scary? Yes. But I have something for you outside of your religious tradition. Notice this. Watch this in Mark 8.23. It says, then Jesus spits on the man's eyes. He places his hands on him. And Jesus asks, can you see anything? What do you see? The blind man says, I see something. And that just spoke to me in the season that I'm in. Can, can you see something? And, and he says, I see something. You know, some of us, we're struggling because we're starting to see something in the midst of the fear. And I believe that there's a spiritual awareness that is awakening within us. And we're going back also to the baptism of the spirit. But this is what God spoke to me even this past week. So I was just say, as your pastor, in the midst of this national and global crisis, I'm, I'm starting to see something. I said, what are you seeing, pastor? You know, in the midst of the hatred and the violence, the fear, the uncertainty, the terror, the anxiety, I'm starting to see something. I don't know how to explain it, but I'm starting to see that just maybe, maybe God is about to break forth upon us. Maybe God is about to break forth on America, his people. Can I get an amen? Maybe God is about to break forth upon us here. Amen. I, I don't know. I'm just starting to see something. I, I, I don't have it all worked out yet, and, and I don't have all the answers. I don't see it all clearly, but, but I'm starting to see that maybe God wants to break forth upon us. And, and, and this is what else I'm starting to see, and I've been talking to my wife about this, and I, I know I'm going to throw this at you, and I don't mean to just uh, lift your hopes up, but you know, uh, I'm starting to see that maybe we can build this new church building. Like, we can do this. I'm, I'm start, I don't have all the answers, but I'm starting to see, wait a minute. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. We've got the land. We have money. We've got the approval by the city. Maybe we can do this. Just me. I don't have, I don't have it all worked out, but maybe we can do this. And we can do this soon. Can I get an amen? amen. Start, I, I, once again, how many of you, you're starting to see something. God is speaking to you starting to see something. You know, I, I'm not where I ought to be, but I sure ain't where I used to be. I know that's not proper English, but... <laughs> and so Jesus, he brings this blind man out to give him a miracle that, that he could never have gotten if he stayed in Bethsaida, right? And so here's the thing. It's a church. I, we can't stay here. <laughs> yeah. We just can't stay here. And here's the thing. God, the way he wired me, he wired me to be a builder. 
I'm sorry. I mean, it's just the way I am. You know, if I see something in someone's house, oh, okay, I can help out with that. Or I like building, moving forward. And when we don't, I'm a frustrated man. Okay? Even if it's lifting asphalt, I'm doing something. Some of you think, you should slow down, Pastor Mike. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Watch this. This is what the Lord speak to me. There are no miracles in the familiar. That's right. We need a miracle. How does miracles happen? We got to get out of the familiar. We got to step out. I got to step out. Okay? We've been here over 20 years. You're a pastor. Uh, a number of pastors have recently retired and moved on. Um, you know, they, and I just calculated, oh, wow, me and one other pastor, the longest here in this community. <laughs> I'm the old guy. <laughs> just saying. But you know what? That's a testimony. You know, it's a testimony because a lot of times they last four or five years and they're gone. And you build a relationship, they know you, and they go, see ya, and they go on to some other place. I'm still here. We're still here. And I just feel God is showing us, starting to show us, we can do this. He's given us the land. He's given us some resources. And I don't think it's a huge cliff. It's a, there may be a little push, but we can do this. Amen. I'm just starting to see. I feel God's holding me by the hand, and he's speaking to me, and I'm coming into an unfamiliar area. I feel like that blind guy. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> and so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Nothing is going to happen in your familiar place. And God is waiting for us in a scary place, and it may seem scary. Pastor, are you nuts? Churches don't even have people meeting. Why would you want to? You know what? God desires a habitation. God desires a place. You read that in the Old Testament. And I'm reading through Exodus, and I kind of close my Bible in frustration because I read, God says, this is how I want the curtains. This is how I want the laver. This is how I want, you know, the colors this way. I don't want you to mix this and this, and I want you to have this out, and I want this odor of scents. He was so specific. He goes, I want a temple where I can meet with you and dwell with your people. We can have our temple. Amen? Right. I get it. We're the church. Wherever we go. But the truth of the matter is something supernatural happens when we come together corporately. Every head bowed, please. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, you're showing us some things. I feel that you're showing us some things. We sense your presence, Lord. Lord, give us the strategy. Give us the strategy, Father God. Hallelujah. Nothing is going to happen in our familiar place. And problem for many of us is not in our eyes, it's our environment, and, and that it's safe and it's comfortable. Lord, this place has been safe and comfortable, and we thank you. We so thank you for it. But Lord, we know you have more for us as a church. And you've not called us to the next 10, 15 years to just not move forward, God. So give us your strategy. I pray for a spirit of faith to be released, Lord, in my life and in the lives of the people here that have been so faithfully labored through years. Lord, give us your strategy, Father God. Give us your strategy. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? amen. Can we play this video? Are you guys all right? I know we're about noontime here, but I don't want you to turn into pumpkins or anything at noon. But can we show this video? I think it's an important video. Uh, Denzel Washington, when he talks about the baptism of the Holy you Spirit. You gave your life received. to Christ. So, two minutes long. At what age? Well, a couple of three times, you know. <laughs> you had to make sure. You had to make sure. Okay, well, I, I, gave it. It, I gave it up. You know, early on, I was like, shoot. This is it. Then I was like, and this is, I'm laughing, but I was filled with the Holy Ghost, and it scared me. I said, like, wait a minute, I didn't want to go this deep. 
you know, I want to party, <laughs> you know. So, in, in fact, in, in, in Bishop Blake's church, West Angeles Church of God in Christ, uh, in 1981 or 82, Robert Townsend took me yeah. I went to yeah. church with Robert Townsend, and, and when it came time to come down to the altar, I said, you know, this time I'm just going to go down there and give it up and see what happens and i went in the prayer room and gave it up and let go and experienced something i've never experienced in my life and and i i remember calling my mother afterwards and asking her i said well you know it felt like i was going up in the air and, and my cheeks were filled and she said oh no that's the devil you purging i said yeah yeah my <laughs> cheeks were filled and, but it was it was it was a it was a a supernatural, if not once in a lifetime experience, once in this lifetime experience, that I couldn't completely understand at the time. It's amazing how God will give you an indelible mark in terms of an experience that no matter how much you may stray away from or deviate from, you never forget that moment, the power of that moment. You and I, when we were at lunch, you were telling me like it happened to you the day before we went to lunch. Right. It was still so real and so powerful. And that kept you somewhat grounded. As I think that's it. Amen. Praise God. Can I, we'll just bow our heads here. And I felt that was important to, uh, to show you that. And uh, in light of what we've been sharing these last few weeks, more of you, God, more of you. And so for some of you, the scary place is stepping out in faith. You've heard it and you heard me teach on it through the years. And we're currently teaching now about the, the Holy Spirit. And, and some of you need to take that walk of faith to step out and enter a scary place. Say, you know what, I'm going to trust you and, 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 and I'm going to step out in faith. And, and some of you... Uh, <clears throat> You know, you, the story about Bethsaida and God's carrying you out and it's like you feel, I don't want to die in the familiar. I, I don't want to just wind up blind somewhere just doing the same old, same old. You know what? God has more for each and every one of us. But it's in a place that's unfamiliar. And I'm one to, to, to take risks, but I like calculated risks, okay? And that, I, in some sense, it's, it's kind of held me back in some things by not being wholeheartedly trusting the Lord in others. And so I want to just, I want to invite all the workers to come forward because I feel this is a special moment and they are safe people. They're here to pray for you. Uh, they'll take your cue. You want hands laid on you or not or whatever and they can just pray for you there. But they can pray for you also to receive the Holy Spirit if you'd like. And you could go home. You could kneel by your bed. You could be alone with your wife. You could just pray and say, Lord, I want to receive the baptism. We have actually material for you on why tongues and some things that we can help you with or get you directed to that. Some books on that, you know. But I, I don't want to just teach on a series and not provide an opportunity for you to receive that spiritual gift. Who's it for? It's for everyone, I believe. If you choose not to, that's your choice. We love you. We receive you. But why would you not want everything God has for you? And I believe he, it's the Spirit of God. He has it for us all. Can you say amen? Amen. So they're here. We're going to conclude the service by a, a challenge right now for salvation. And, and then you're free to go. And, but just bear with me here as we just, well, I want to just pray for those of you and you're not right with God. 
and you feel like, hey man, I feel like that blind man. I'm roaming around. I'm in a place that's familiar, but I just feel dead inside. I feel just blind to the future. And God's saying, you know what? I'm going to take you to a place. It, it may be unfamiliar. It may be scary to you, but it's a place of miracles. It's a place of change. It's a place of something that I'm going to challenge you more. Some of you, maybe you're in a dead church and, and, and I don't say that lightly and uh, dead churches are churches. They don't proclaim the gospel. Excuse me, the gospel. They don't preach the Bible, and, and it's just secularism. And there's, there's there's churches that are out like that. And God may be taking you by the hand and moving you to a, to a safe place, a place that's scary, but out of your comfort zone. I'm just throwing that out there. Someone maybe needed to hear that. But you're here this morning as a pastor. I gotta get right with God. I gotta get right with God. If that's you, pray with me as we pray together for you to recommit your life to Christ. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Fill me with your spirit. I give you my life, Lord. Now take it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you-